can be seen. Do you ever wonder what eternity will be like? Have you ever thought seriously about serious questions? Like, did you see that uh, uh, Jack Black did a cover, a uh, capella cover of Dove's Cry? <laughs> You're like, what did you do that for? It was just the stupidest thing in the world. Do you ever think about heaven? Do you ever wonder why we are here? Have you noticed how, how the ice is turning this beautiful shade of navy blue? Not a pure navy, mind you, okay? It's kind of the color of navy that you can only find in nature. Have you ever uh, been amazed at how complex color is in nature, okay? Because nature can do things with color that you couldn't do. If you wore what nature displayed as color, people would be like, you know, I'm not quite sure that looks good on you. But nature can do it. It can get away. And, and there's this crazy complex shade of navy blue running through the ice right now. The other day I saw 11 wood ducks hanging out in this massive birch wood in front of our house. Eight drakes, three hens. Yesterday, okay, we're moving pieces around, right? Okay, I feel like, um, I feel a little bit like Carl Bredo. I feel a little bit like I've been working for DH Docks, okay? So I had to get a trailer from Brent at Nisswa Marine, and, and I needed to move a dock and some lift, or some dock and a lift, and, and then I got back home from doing that, and we went all landscaper on the bit. Well, more spring cleanup, less landscaping, although I did pick up two stones and move them out of the way. Loads, loads of, of stuff down to the fire pit, Repeat after me, a small recreational fire officer. A small recreational fire officer. And then supper, early with friends because we're celebrating a birthday. Although I do have to admit, um, I'm not a very good guest on a Saturday evening. And I was home before, I think, 6 o'clock. A dude last night. Once I got home, was out front rolling hot in his personal watercraft. It was the most beautiful thing. Lake still covered in ice. We have about 150 feet of open water. The guys, the guys in his like like chest waders, okay, and duck coat and hat and gloves and just rolling hot, driving the ice away. Just can't let it go. He might be here this morning, sitting in the back row by the sound booth. It was an amazing day. Okay, and apps, everyone's looking, okay? We, he's taller than everyone else in the room, too. And it was an amazing day. It was an amazing day. It, it's one of those days that, apart from the reality of really liking to be here on a Sunday morning, apart from that, I wish it was still yesterday, which yesterday was today, with today being tomorrow's yesterday, which was today when I first thought about this. Do you ever wonder why God made sure you were born? Ten forty one, verse one, chapter twenty two. This has been an amazing book. This has been a book that for years intimidated the living daylights out of me. I'm not quite sure why. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. 
No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. There will be no need, no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Now, as we've discussed the book of Revelation, we've made mention of the fact that Revelation and the nature of apocalyptic literature is such that the same concept, the end of the world, is repeated a bunch of different ways. This is the final repetition, and this ends with a bow on it. What we're going to discover over the next two weeks is a little bit of commentary between John and the angel who showed him these things, as well as between John and Jesus. But this is the final end-of-the-world story in the book of Revelation. And it is an amazing picture. It's the complement to the architectural wonder that was last week. It is the landscaping. It is the garden that is, has been, to this point, compromised. And immediately we see running water. Some of us don't like rivers so much. Others of us like it a lot. But in heaven, there is this stream, an absolute beautiful stream that that talks about living water. This shouldn't be a concept that's foreign to us. Jesus mentioned it in John chapter 4, that if you drink this special water that only he can give, you will have eternal life. And here at the end of all things, we see the fulfillment of the promise that Jesus made to that woman at a well looking for something more. In fact, I can't help but think it is the condition of my heart, the condition of our hearts, that we are here living, existing in a world, wanting something more, hoping that there is something more, seeking out the reason for why God made sure we were born. And the more is fulfilled at the end of all things. The running water and the trees, fruit throughout the year. How does that work? I'm not exactly sure. What kind of different fruit? Do we have bananas and apples and oranges? Or are we more along the lines of pomegranates and starfruit? What we do know is that the combination of the water and the tree provides health and healing for the nations health and healing for the people of God. The zenith, because we spend a lot of time thinking about health care, right? And depending upon which side of a discussion you might be on, you might have profound opinions about how the United States of America delivers health care. Shockingly, we're not going to get into that today. But again, the wanting for something more isn't bad. The wanting to be healthy isn't bad. And it finds its zenith in this experience that is described in Revelation chapter 22. The zenith of our pursuit of health and healing perfected, completed in the most organic and elemental realities. Leaves of a tree and water that give life. For the astute biblical scholar, there's hints from Ezekiel chapter 47, verse 12. You can look it up on your own time. Some would say a tree on either side of a stream. How does that work? That doesn't happen. It's not that crazy. 
If you've seen mangroves, you've seen trees on either side and in water. And if you've seen redwoods, we drive through the middle of redwoods. It's not that big of a stretch. It's this perfect picture of a perfect place that our hearts long, long for. Verse 3. No longer will there be anything accursed but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. The curse is lifted. Now, to get the perspective on this, we have to go all the way back to the beginning, Genesis, rather, chapters 1, 2, and 3, where they're in an idyllic garden, like is being described here. And somehow, Adam and Eve managed to be persuaded by the banana salesman and eat fruit that they shouldn't eat. And because of that disobedience to God, there is a curse. And thousands of years later, the curse is lifted. There is no curse. There is no cursing. Some of us, if we're followers of Jesus Christ, might have to clean up our language. But on the positive side, if you never have to worry about hitting your thumb with a hammer, maybe it won't be so hard. No curse. No cursing. No being cursed. For everything that our heart longs for, for every breath that we have that, that cries out for something more, the effects of the curse visited upon the earth and humankind because of Adam and Eve's choice is also very real in our world. The reasons why our bodies move south, not in a geographic sense, is because of the curse. The reasons why there's thorns and thistles and all sorts of gross stuff in the ground that we want to get rid of is because of the curse. The reason why there are accidents is because of the curse. The reasons why there are individuals, even in this room, who have health that is less than, perhaps health that is less than from birth, is a result of the curse. And there's a whole, whole bit of theological business that we could do in terms of, well, is it a case of people sinned against God and so God cursed the people? Or is it a case of God's like, here is how my world operates, and when sin enters into it, there is a curse that results. And depending upon your theological school of thought, you might side in one place or another. But what both schools of thought cannot in any way, shape, or form, diminish is the fact that we live under a curse. And then in Revelation chapter 22, verse 3, some heavy lifting is done. The curse is lifted. The worship, the pure worship, the complete and total worship of God has replaced the curse. The throne of God and, and the Lamb are now resting on the people. The imagery I like to think of is, is that of a warm blanket. Okay, so 
I like sleeping cold, so as much as I can, I like to sleep with a window open, right? Or, or when I'm up at my brother and sister-in-law's place, okay, I love to sleep with a window open and let the wind blow across, and, and there's got a really neat thing because they have in-floor heating, so there's this little thermal climb. At any rate, I've talked about that before, but when you're in a cold room or when you're cold and someone wraps a warm blanket around you, Imagine the warmth, imagine the embrace, imagine the comfort, the security, the love, the passion, the intimacy that God promises to all of those who follow him for eternity. Verse 4, seeing eyes, they will see his face. Now, This at first doesn't seem like that big of a sentence or a phrase, rather. Is it a sentence or a phrase? They will see his face. They see. I think that's a sentence. If you put a period there, that'd be a sentence. But there's a comma, so that means it's a phrase, I think. It doesn't seem like that big of a deal because we think in terms of seeing as no big deal. We see, okay? I see you, you see me, okay? We use glasses to help us see. We see a lot. But you have to understand, biblically, to see the face of God means death. In the Old Testament, you didn't look at the face of God. God wisely protected people from seeing his face because to see the face of God was to see something so holy, so unique, so special that it would immediately cause death. So, so we have Moses being talked to in a burning bush. We have Moses being hid in the cleft of a rock so that he doesn't actually see the face of God. And here, for the very, very first time, the people of God get to see the face of God. They will see his face. His name will be on their foreheads. Again, for the Old Testament scholar, you would say, that sounds a lot like Exodus, when the high priest of the land would have the name of God, specifically, holy to the Lord, on a little placard, put on somewhere his face, his forehead. And the high priest would have this phrase, holy to the Lord, separate to the Lord, unique to the Lord, inscribed on this plaque, and he would wear it. And here we have this unique expression, this mark of God. The final time a mark is mentioned, having the name of God written on the body of not just one individual, but on all of us. The imagery of not just one high priest who has access to God, but all of us having access to God. Before this, being a human being, still suffering the weight of the curse, we lacked the ability to look God right in the eye. Because of the reality that some of us see so very well, we don't understand the deficit at which we have been functioning. We don't realize what we've been missing. What will it be like to see the Father, Son, and Spirit? That most intimate connection. What will it be like to have His name on our forehead? 
this intimate connection of being face-to-face and bearing the marks of the God who loves us. Verse 5, our text this morning concludes. And night will be no more. There will be no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. It's a culmination of things, I think. The eternal present, which is an eternal present. If we're drawn to a verse like Matthew 6.33, which says, Seek God today and don't worry about tomorrow. If the invitation of Matthew 6.33 and other places in the Bible is to be fully present today, then this is an eternity of today's. Now that seems weird until you think about it. And if you've ever thought of it and you've had a really great day, like yesterday, a day that you never wanted to end, a day when you woke up and you're bright and you're well-rested and you know that feeling, and then an amazing breakfast, and then maybe a workout or a, a walk or maybe a project or something, or maybe just sitting down with a good book or a good friend, having a light lunch, I think mine would be fresh tomatoes, fresh bread, fresh mozzarella, and just a little bit of basil leaf with some olive oil on it. A glass of cold water. Maybe an afternoon nap. Maybe not. Maybe sitting down again, or maybe working on that project, or finishing it, or or a bike ride, or fishing, and an evening meal, or an evening ski, or a campfire with friends. And you think to yourself, having experienced that day, I don't want this day to end. I think we've all been there. I think we've been to that point where we've said, I don't want this to end. I want it to last as long as it possibly can. And that longing, that want, is given by God to your soul to make us want for the day when the eternal is present, when the eternal is a present. When the beauty of a day is never, ever over. There's a text here which we simply just don't have the time to get into. Rather, a phrase again. This one is a phrase for sure. I see the comma. And they will reign forever and ever. Dallas Willard expounded on this. We are in training for reigning. I'll leave it at that. You can explore Uncle Dallas on your own time. The opportunity to be a part of an ever-expanding kingdom for which there is meaningful and valuable labor and effort. Learning new things, being challenged to build something that is bigger than oneself. Working with the right people at the right pay under the right conditions. Far from boring, what is described in, in Revelation chapter 22 is an eternal activity. It's reasserting what was lost in Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 3. It's accomplishing what was promised throughout the Bible. It's today. It's now. It's seeking God. It's finding God. It's being fully present and not worrying about tomorrow. It is today 
the best day of my life. And you know what? That sounds like heaven. So what does this mean for us today? Well, first off, I like to live with a little thought in my brain, and that is this is the best day of my life today, right now. This is the best day of my life. It's more of a category than a singular designation. This is the best day of my life, and the best is yet to be. That can we live eternally in the present? Can we acknowledge the eternal as a present, a gift, the outcome of a salvation decision that we have made with our lives? For some of us, that's enough. That's enough of a challenge right there. For some of us, we say those words and we scratch our heads and going, yeah, but what does that mean for me today? Ask God. Ask God. Ask God right now, this week, tomorrow, next week. Ask God, what do you want me to do? Ask God, how can I best prepare for what is to come? Ask God. Pursue God. Your questions will have all the answers provided by a God who loves you more than you can possibly imagine. So Friday night, we go and see uh, George Winston at CLC, which if you've never checked out the concert series that the CLC people do, it's, it's really some good stuff. Anyway, George Winston, I don't know if you know him. He's, he's kind of an old dude, <laughs> and he walks like a really old dude. So he comes out like this. He's hunched over. He comes walking out. He's got hands. One hand is about that wide. And he's got these fingers, okay? Like his pinky finger is as, well, as big as my middle finger. I was about to, never mind. At any rate, okay? And, and, and so he walks like an old dude, and he looks like an old dude, and he's been around for a while, and he sits down at the piano, and, and he has this most amazing way about him and a keyboard. He does things that you just go, how in the world did you ever think of coming up with that amazing music? I think one of the best things that he did in the concert was his periods of silence in which with the pedal on the piano down and the notes all resonating and the strings all humming, you just had this sense in the room and the waves and the vibrations just affecting your body. And it just washed over you and over you and over you. And you didn't want it to end. There's a promise for all those who believe. There's a promise for all those who follow Jesus Christ. That there will be an eternity of days that you never, ever want to have end. And they won't.
Please pray with me. Father, in the quietness of the morning, speak to our hearts. Father, in the quietness of the morning, what do you want us to do? How do you want us to prepare for that day?